Hi, this is the Bill Sang Podcast, and I am Bill Sang. I'd like to thank you for joining us today. I encourage you to like, share, and subscribe to this podcast. And I'm going to start off the same way that I started the first episode, by mentioning about my passions. And uh, the reason why I talk about passions is in large part because one of the people I looked up to the most oftentimes talked about his passions, and that was the late Rush Limbaugh. Great man, and he has uh, had a great impact on my life and many others. And the success of his show really revolved around sharing his passions with other people, being able to share those with millions and millions of people across the United States of America and even across the world. As uh, he had a passion for studying politics, for tech, and all sorts of other things. And uh, that's what really drove his program. And that's, in many ways, what I would like this podcast to be about. It's just sharing my passions with you. And I would be untrue to myself if I did not share my number one passion with you all. And that being my love for Jesus Christ. Uh, It's been so long since I've recorded this podcast that it was before Easter. And now we're in uh, the middle of May and this is the first time I've recorded, and we're doing it a little bit different from what we did in the past. And yet, I want to just take a moment to give you an update on how I'm doing faith-wise and inside the church, and things are going fantastic. It's wonderful to see a church that was small, growing, both in faith, but also in numbers, and to see just progress being made for the kingdom of God as we're developing Bible study groups and different sorts of programs to to reach out to the community. I'm very excited to see what God's got in store for the church where we, uh, my wife and I, are currently serving. And the reason why I get so excited about it is exactly for the Easter message itself. Jesus Christ is a man whose teachings cannot be divorced from his identity. If Jesus is not the Son of God, his message means nothing. It wouldn't be any better than an opinion. What's wonderful in the Gospels is that even states that the reason why people were impressed by him was because he spoke as one with authority. In fact, that's the whole reason why the Pharisees wanted to kill Jesus not because of his teachings, but because he claimed to be the Son of God. Thus, his authority would be greater than theirs, and he was speaking with the authority of God instead of just as a mere human or even a rabbi, teacher, or Pharisee. Jesus Christ died for our sins, took away the sins of the world, put them on the cross so that if we have faith in him, We can have eternal life, though our bodies might die. Our spirits would live eternally and experience what we call in Christianity a resurrection, where we will be given new bodies and live in all eternity with Jesus Christ. That's my number one passion, so I'm so glad I'm able to share that with you. First and foremost, on this episode of the Bill Sang Podcast. Second thing I'd like to talk about with you all is this passion I've been developing for coaching. You might ask right away, what do you mean by coaching? 
When I say coaching, I don't mean like a sports team or anything along those lines, but more like a life coaching. Lately, I've been finding people who are looking to improve in different areas of their lives or pursue their goals. And all coaching is, is I sit down with somebody, I find out what they want to talk about, I find out what their goals are, and we systematically devise a way to achieve that goal. What I really love about it, though, is that coaching has nothing to do with me or my ego, but rather has everything to do with the person I am talking to. I'm also part of the John C. Maxwell team who has developed this particular style of coaching. And what I really like about that is that I'm continually challenged through the writings of John C. Maxwell to uh, engage people, to challenge people, to challenge myself to grow. And uh, the most recent book that I read of his was one called Leadership. John Maxwell has a lot of teachings on the topic of leadership, and this book, Leadership, is about revolutionizing your own leadership style, meaning that at certain stages in your position of leadership, you had to do certain things. But as you grow as a leader, you're challenged to have to do different things in order to advance Whatever it is that you're trying to accomplish, whether that's as a church or as a business, or even if it's just as a parent or a brother, we are forced to have to change. Not because we're not good enough who we are, but rather because we're not good enough to uh, lead at the highest levels unless we do experience some sort of inward change and develop character beyond what we already have. This week at the church, we're actually going to be talking about Philippians chapter 3. And one of the most remarkable things about Philippians chapter 3 is that the Apostle Paul is talking about how he has put everything about himself, all of his accomplishments, all the things that he has learned, everything about him through lineage and through spiritual credentials. He's putting all of that behind him. He says he considers those things garbage in light of the all-surpassing glory of Jesus Christ our Lord. And thus he strives forward to be able to attain the resurrection. And he knows he's not perfect. That's why he push, puts those things back and then pushes onward to achieve and to take hold of this great glory that lies ahead. And that's kind of what I see inside of the ideology, the, the philosophy of leadership. For instance, one of my mentors said that he was once challenged at a business where he worked that it came to a point in his life and his leadership where his mentor challenged him by asking the question, do you want to be loved or do you want to lead? And even though you can do both, you can love and lead and you can be loved and lead. But which one do you want to do more? Do you care so much about the people that you are serving that you'd rather be loved by them back? Or is your love so great that you would instead prefer to lead them? And so he made the resolve that he wants to lead them. And thus, that means you might make yourself uncomfortable 
in certain ways. But what I'm really learning now is that life ultimately is a series of confrontations. And what determines your character as a person is how you handle those confrontations. Do you avoid them? Do you confront them head on? Are you gracious? Are you belligerent? Are you angry? Are you calm? Are you loving? Um, How is it that you approach the confrontations in your life? Because we all have them. We all have certain problems that we need to deal with. Either you deal with them by choosing not to deal with them or you deal with them by engaging the person. So I'm very excited to see where this whole coaching journey goes uh, for me, but also in terms of uh, the leadership qualities that I'm developing myself, both the church and coaching and everything else that I'm involved in in life. Another passion I want to bring up real quick, since last time I spoke with you all, uh, was it was mine and my wife's, or my wife and, and my, my <laughs> whatever's grammatically correct, our 10th wedding anniversary. What a wonderful time it was. We got to go out on a night on the town, get away from the kids for a little bit, though we love them so much. Um, and it was nice just to be able to reconnect with her, my wife, Melissa, who was actually on the podcast last time. Uh, that we recorded a Bill Sang podcast. And um, we just got to talk about life, reflect on our relationship, and uh, got to go to a really nice uh, restaurant uh, where I got a an open-faced ribeye steak sandwich, which was absolutely wonderful. And she got a steak burger, so you can see what's on the menu at our house. Steak, steak, and more steak, pretty much. But, uh, whenever we go out to this restaurant now, that's pretty much what we get is some form or manner of a steak sandwich, I guess. We also got talking about some of the things we want to do in the future with this podcast. Uh, we're going to start talking more about worldview and movies and just different interests that we have as it relates to that. And actually, her and I, we want to have a discussion about Her favorite movie, which I'm not going to say the name of it right now, but it's actually a Hallmark movie. And she's actually sold me on this movie. I actually like it quite a bit. There is a stereotype about Hallmark movies that they always have a happy ending. The man and the woman always end up getting married and falling in love at at the end of the movie. And indeed, with her favorite movie, that's exactly what happens. The stereotype holds true. And I think with Hallmark movies in general, that stereotype is true. But what I found very remarkable about her favorite movie in the world of Hallmark is that it actually expresses a very specific worldview. And it revolves around the perception of love by the main characters. So I'm looking very forward to being able to talk about that with you. Um, But right now what I'm going to talk about is a different movie. And in fact, I'm going to be talking about some other movies in in the future. And just to uh, give you a little bit of prep before I jump into the next thing, uh, I I would like to talk about my favorite movie, too, and my favorite uh, movie series, as it were, um, being the Godzilla movies. I know that sounds crazy. I know that sounds silly. I know that sounds cheesy. But I tell you what, I've seen a lot of worldview elements, particularly in the latest ones that I would like to discuss Uh, from a, I guess you can say, a philosophical, theological sort of standpoint. Um, A while back, I wrote um, 
I, I ranked every single Godzilla movie from the worst to the best. And uh, I, I have to update that yet. I haven't done that. But I'm going to be talking about that in the future. But what I'd like to talk about right now was a movie I was talking about today. Rocky IV. I was recently talking about Rocky IV uh, with my wife and with my family. And I believe that it's probably my favorite Rocky movie. As it is a different Rocky movie. There's so much more at stake than what was in the previous Rocky movies. Those were very much an underdog story where this poor man Rocky is trying to make a name for himself, bring him out of bring himself out of poverty, win the heart of the love of his life, Adrian. Rocky IV is different, as it's set in Cold War <laughs> the Cold War world, I guess you can say, uh, where America and Russia are at odds with one another, and um and Rocky and and Ivan Drago come face to face against each other in, in the boxing ring. And before all that takes place, Rocky's best friend decides to challenge this Russian athlete to an exhibition match in the boxing ring where it is discovered that the Russian is so powerful, so strong that his punch is capable of killing a man. That's exactly what happens to Apollo Creed and Rocky IV. Hope I didn't spoil that for anybody. But from a worldview perspective, what's very fascinating about it is it is basically the entire story of America versus the Soviet Union at the time. We have a rugged individualism of the United States versus the machine, I guess as my friend Dakota would call it, the machine of Russia as embodied by Ivan Drago. And uh, by the way, if you haven't seen Rocky IV, I don't know what the best part is. Either the beginning, where it does the flashback of uh, Rocky Balboa fighting Clubber Lang to the tune of Eye of the Tiger, or if it is actually uh, the training montage, uh, where all the Rocky movies have a training montage of some sort. The music's great in it, and it shows Rocky training, Ivan Drago training, and it shows the stark contrast between the two characters where Rocky is training out in the woods, in the wilderness, in this log cabin in a very rugged, uh, organic sort of way, I guess you can call it, where Drago is training inside of a, of a facility with scientists and uh, very specified um, workout equipment and rooms. They're monitoring everything about him. And uh, he's basically viewed as a machine. And the funny thing is, you actually, even though Drago's a bad guy, you have somewhat of an admiration for him, for his hard work ethic. Um, and you feel kind of pity toward him as well as he's wrapped up in this whole Soviet-Russian uh, system that doesn't view him for who he is, but views him for who Soviet Russia is. And of course, it all culminates Rocky and Drago fight. Rocky wins. And it all culminates with this idea that everybody can change. And that more or less, the lesson is love and hate are a matter of individual choice. And you can choose to love or you can choose to hate. And if, if hate overwhelms your heart, you can choose to change, and you can choose love, and you can love people. 
And that's what is kind of expressed in the final speech of the Rocky IV movie. Uh, wonderful movie, highly recommend it. I've been thinking a lot about it lately and I don't know exactly why, but lots and lots of fun. I'd love to hear what you have to think about it. I guess it reminds me a lot today of the circumstances of our day uh, when I reflect on where America has come versus uh, where it was. And I look at figures like Rocky and I see the, the greatness of America in the 80s of perfecting its capitalism, of perfecting um, its faith, of perfecting this idea that everybody matters on some level or another, that we all have strengths, we all have weaknesses, we all have passions. And so when I when I see this movie and I, and I think about our circumstances today, I think of how stark of a contrast it is and uh, how much we've lost our way. And I want to preface this by saying that there are things that we can't talk about. <laughs> and, uh, you know, for instance, something I would never say, for instance, since we can't talk about it, uh, I can't say things like the election was stolen or I can't say things like... Uh, it seems like there's a lot of deception inside of the media today. Uh, I can't say things that question the current uh, regime that's in office right now, for instance. I can't say those things. We aren't free to say those things right now. As we know, there's a lot of censorship going on. And uh, as I, I think back to the movie Rocky IV, uh, one of the things that uh, is commented on specifically is the idea that in America we have free speech. We're able to talk about the things that we want to talk about. I remember uh, Paulie in that movie calls himself the unsilent majority and is sort of a shot back at Russia for silencing their own people. And uh, that's very much how it is across the world. And to see the censorship that we're experiencing today, uh, that you can't post just very simple things on social media that we used to be able to embrace and love and now they're demonized. And, and uh, even if you post an opinion contrary to the mainstream narrative, you can get in big trouble. Well, I'm going to wrap things up today, though, by um, giving you a little bit of hope. We were talking about another story last night in my family, and that was uh, The Lord of the Rings, of all things. So it sounds like I'm just talking about a bunch of movies right now. But uh, Lord of the Rings, as you know, started off as a book and it developed into movies. And what I was telling my family last night is the fascinating thing about Lord of the Rings, the most insignificant character ends up being the most significant character within the entire series. And that's not just in the Lord of the Rings, that's also in its prequel, The Hobbit. In The Hobbit, it is revealed that this creepy guy by the name of Gollum had discovered a magical ring that he just lusted over, that he loved it, that it was the obsession in his life that he had to have this ring and he had to just stroke it and look at it and speak to it. He loses the ring and it ends up in the hands of a hobbit. Well, it's learned in the Lord of the Rings that where Gollum got the ring its origins were from an evil sorcerer, prince, whatever, called Sauron. 
He forged the ring and is basically in a plot to take over the world as a ring of the ring of power. When Sauron was defeated, mankind took hold of the ring and became obsessed with it. They couldn't bring themselves to destroy it because the temptation was too heavy and so they felt they needed it in order to have power for themselves. But then the person carrying the ring was killed. The ring went into the into a river where a fisher by the name of Smeagol found it and his friend and him fought over it until um, Smeagol killed his friend, takes the ring and, and becomes a hermit, just obsessing over this ring until Bilbo Baggins comes along and finds the ring that Gollum had lost. He picks it up, escapes the place, and then uh, years and years and years and years and years and years later, uh, Frodo Baggins and Sam, his friend Sam, uh, travel to Mount Mordor to destroy this ring as they discovered its evil powers. But when they stand at the base of the volcano, Frodo cannot bring it upon himself to throw the ring into the volcano and to destroy it because the temptation of the ring finally overwhelmed him. But then who shows up at the, at the edge of the volcano but Gollum? And Gollum, being obsessed with the ring, just had to take the ring, get it back in his own possession so he could continue to obsess over it. He tears the ring off of Frodo's hand, but uh, ultimately um, he defeats Frodo. But as he defeats Frodo, he takes the ring, he, he, he's tackled off the edge of the volcano and lands into the lava in the crater of the volcano, bringing both his demise and the destruction of the ring. So what happened is this evil being known as Gollum had this obsession that destroyed him and the source of evil that was threatening to rule the world. Well, here's some hope for you. I know that many of you feel like we are overwhelmed by evil right now. That there's nothing good in the world of politics, inside of our communities, that everything is going down. I think the lesson that we need to learn, though, is that evil has a way of destroying itself. Good's got to take a stand. But ultimately, when we partner with God in prayer and have faith, that God brings about the ends of the wicked, and he oftentimes uses the wicked to destroy the wicked. It's a thought I had. I think that it's something that should bring a lot of hope, should inspire a lot of hope. And oftentimes we see these things transpire uh, throughout history that oftentimes evil undoes itself oftentimes because uh, it cannot bear its own corruption, its own wickedness uh, to the point to where it just has to be destroyed. And it does get destroyed either by good people or by itself. So, I'm hoping that you enjoyed today's podcast. Hey, this is my show, so we're talking about my passions here. But I believe that lots of my passions are your passions too. So thank you for joining me today. Please remember to like, share, and subscribe to this podcast. This is the Bill Sang Podcast. Once again, my name is Bill Sang. Black Swamp Blues take me home. Black Swamp Blues, take me home